So whatever you are working through right now, however your circumstances have changed right now, Jesus has proven himself to be more than enough to help. morning we are starting a brand new study we're going to walk through the book of daniel together one chapter a week and very 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 much looking forward uh to talking about daniel for the next 12 weeks if you've not done so already let's turn in your bibles to daniel kind of person has a, a favorite book of the, of the Bible, don't they? So if you're a person who's into kind of end of the world, apocalyptic stuff, uh, I would suggest that you love the book of Revelation. If you are a person who really values the truth that you can have a personal relationship with the person of Jesus, then no doubt you love to read the Gospels where the person of Jesus is just on show. If you are wowed by signs and wonders and miracles and signposts to bigger and better things, I'm guessing that you love the book of Acts. But if you like history, if you like prophecy, then Daniel is going to be something that you are going to absolutely love. It's fascinating. It's interesting. It's informing. And Lord willing, it's going to be transforming for our lives as well. Like I've said a couple of times, you definitely want something on hand to highlight, to underline, to make notes with this morning. And if you didn't, if you want to really quickly get something in the description to this video, if you're watching via YouTube, there is a note. There's a note. There's a link to a note-taking template. You can use it every week as we work through the book of Daniel. Today, then, Daniel chapter 1. What are we going to find out? What are we going to see? We're going to establish how we get from the book of Daniel all those years ago and those people at that time and those events, how we get from the book of Daniel to now, to you, into your life. Why is this book still relevant for you today, the 28th of August, 2020? How does Daniel chapter one help me now, right now? Maybe you think that it doesn't. Maybe you think it's an Old Testament book. Uh, therefore, we've got some stuff to look at and learn from, but it doesn't help me right now. And if you do think like that, then as much as I love you, you are, you're wrong. Daniel chapter one, is going to help you. That's the goal this morning, to go from Daniel to you and see what joins the two. So grab your Bibles, grab a pen, and let's introduce what we're talking about. So Daniel lived around 600 years before the birth of Jesus, and there was a lot going on in the world 600 years before the birth of Jesus. Uh, over in Mexico, the Mayan civilization uh, was flourishing Aesop wrote his fables, and this was around the time when Chinese philosopher Confucius was alive and also around the time uh, when Buddha was alive. So there was a lot going on in very different places and cultures and contexts. There was lots going on in the world 600 years before Jesus was born. And apparently the first journey by sea all around Africa took place around this time. For God's people, things were not going 
particularly well, shall we say. Maybe that's me being too polite and too British. Uh, things were not going well at all. Um, Jeremiah 25, uh, there's a prophecy about what is going to happen to them. And in Jeremiah 25, uh, we read God speaking through Jeremiah. Uh, you have not listened to what I said, so I, the Lord, affirm that I will send for all the peoples of the north and my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. This whole area will become a desolate wasteland. These nations will be subject to the king of Babylon for 70 years. So things are so bad the people are just not listening that God has said, look, all right, fine. This is now going to happen to you. So Jeremiah said it was going to happen. And then in verse 1 of Daniel 1, we read that in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem and laid it under siege. So this attack, Nebuchadnezzar laying Jerusalem under siege, kind of finished with the first of three deportations of Jews to Babylon. So it was the first of three times that uh, Jews were taken out of their, their homeland and kind of transported off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar apparently left this battle, the, the Daniel 1-1 conflict, apparently he left that battle somewhat unexpectedly and very, very quickly uh, because he heard of his father's death and he needed to race back to Babylon to make sure of his being the next king. He needed to secure his succession to the throne. There will be two later invasions, uh, about maybe eight, ten years after the first one. And there's good historical evidence that these took place. Uh, these are just not wild and wonderful stories. Uh, there's good historical um, how to say this, non-Christian evidence. People have written this down because it happened. There's evidence that these things happened. And the second one occurred around 597 BC and included a lot of Jewish uh, captives, including the prophet Ezekiel. Then we read in verse 2 that the Lord delivered King Jehoiakim of Judah into his power Along with some vessels of the temple of God, he brought them to the land of Babylonia, to the temple of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the third time this happened uh, was when the city and the temple were thoroughly destroyed. So over about 10, 15, 20 years, everything that Jeremiah said would happen, happened. Lots of people taken into exile to Babylon. And among those people, among the exiles, uh, as Lisa read for us, were some of the Israelites who were of royal and noble descent, young men in whom there was no physical defect and who were handsome, well-versed in all kinds of wisdom, educated and having keen insight, and who were capable of entering the king's royal service. As we'll find out in a couple of verses, that's Daniel and his friends. So what Jeremiah prophesied, predicted, said this was going to happen. And then he sends a letter to the exiles telling them what God has said for them to do whilst in exile. And do you know what he said? God speaking through Jeremiah to the people in exile, exiled as a punishment, said, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and allow your daughters to get married so they can have sons and daughters. 
Grow in number. Do not dwindle away. Work to see that the city where I sent you as exiles enjoys peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, for as it prospers, you will prosper. Then Jeremiah says for the Lord to the exiles, something which people love to just rip out of the Bible and, and stick on their own lives. He says, when the 70 years of Babylonian rule are over, I will take up consideration for you. Then I will fulfill my gracious promise to you and restore you to your homeland. Because I know what I've got planned for you, says the Lord. I've plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I've plans to give you a future filled with hope. Daniel is part of the group of people to which and about whom that was written. So big picture that's where we're at in kind of the big narrative of, of, of the Bible and history. So kind of you go in there in exile, but get on with it. Don't dwindle away. Use your time well. Make these 70 years count because I know, says God, that I've got a good future planned for you. So generally that kind of sets us up. That's how Daniel is there. It's prophesied. It's going to happen. It happened. And now we're there. Daniel's in Babylon and he's commanded to get on with life despite things being so very, very different. Let me say that again. Even though Daniel's life was very, 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 very different to how he probably pictured it, he was told to just get on with things. Don't sit around and mope and complain and kind of oh, dwindle away to nothing. Go through Jeremiah tells Daniel, get on with life. Do some stuff. Be faithful get on with life. And then the start of Daniel's time in Babylon is kind of laid out for us in the rest of chapter one. And let's, let's take a bit of an overview. So uh, the, the group of people, including the young men, Daniel and his friends, and we're introduced to them. And they're young men in good condition. Uh, they're able to be uh, re-educated, uh, capable of entering the service of the king. And they're taught... Uh, literature and language of the Babylonians. And if your Bible says here uh, Chaldeans, then that's, that's fine. That's no problem. It doesn't mean your Bible's wrong. Uh, it's just an, the ancient name for the, the, the Babylonians. And these guys, they're given royal rations. That's quite a big deal. Uh, they're given a daily ration from the king's royal delicacies and from the wine he himself drank. And they're trained and educated for three years. Long time. Purpose of all this, food, new name, education, food and drink from the king and all that stuff. It was an effort at total indoctrination. They need to change everything about how these young guys think and how the lens, they need to change the lens through which they see the world. They're trying to make them leave well behind their Jewish upbringing. And in, in the minds of the Babylonians, their Jewish God, the God of Jerusalem, the God of Israel. And it's, you know, we can reasonably conclude Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be that kind of figure and we'll see that in chapter three, how he kind of evidences that. But he wants to be that figure in the lives of these young guys. He wants to be the turn to me, come to me. I am 
everything that you need whilst you're here. Daniel and his friends refused, insisting that they would look to God only. And Dwight Pentecost wrote a bite, a bite about this. And he said the educational program probably included a study of agriculture, architecture, astrology, astronomy, law, mathematics, and the very difficult Akkadian language. So it was a, it was a comprehensive re-education program after which they would enter the king's service. And then we're introduced to the guys. They've got very Hebrew names, very uh, God-honoring names, but they are renamed by the overseer of the court officials with very, very local names. And then I would like us to read together in a bit more detail verses 8 through to 14. So let's read Daniel 1, 8 to 14 together. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. He therefore asked the overseer of the court officials for permission not to defile himself. Then God made the overseer of the court officials sympathetic to Daniel. But he responded to Daniel, I fear my master, the king. He is the one who has decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw that you looked malnourished? in comparison to the other young men your age. If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. Daniel then spoke to the warden, whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who are eating the royal delicacies. Deal with us in light of what you see. So the warden agreed to the proposal and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel decides not to defile himself with the delicacies of the day. A few reasons have been suggested for this. Maybe it's in line with the, the law of Moses and, it, and what it teaches about unclean foods. Maybe it was that this food had been offered to idols, sacrificed to idols as such. But, but either way, Daniel's desire was to be faithful and loyal and obedient and to please God in all that he did, fully convinced in his own mind that this was right for him. Daniel made up his mind and he acted accordingly. He was going to be in Babylon, but he was not going to be of Babylon. Let me say that again. Daniel had decided that he was going to be in Babylon, but not of Babylon. How did he do this then? Did he kind of stick it to the man and make a big scene? No, he asked to be excused. He asked permission to do so. God softened the heart of the guy that he asked, but he shared a very legitimate concern with Daniel. I, I fear my master, the king. He's decided what you're going to eat and drink. And if you're looking kind of, you know, malnourished and not very healthy. Uh, it's, it's my job on the line and, and most likely, given what we know about Nebuchadnezzar, my head on the block. And then Daniel, so this, he said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And then Daniel heads off to the, the person who's specifically looking after him and his friends and says, look, give us a 10-day trial period Feed us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. When we read vegetables uh, in verse number 12, uh, 
The Hebrew word can refer to grains and plants. And so basically, Daniel had decided that he was going to go vegetarian for 10 days. Let's give us this vegetarian diet. We don't want the royal delicacies. And then give us a test. Test us. The warden agrees and tested them for 10 days. Now, if you've got a pen, a highlighter, a crayon, whatever you like to mark up, if you're making notes, please, let's highlight, let's underline in verse 12, the word test. And in verse 14, the word tested, because we're going to come back to that later. Now, if we were in church, to kind of look around and see, oh, yeah, people are doing it. So this is a trust thing. I'm going to trust that you're actually doing this. It'll be good for you later that you do it now. So verse 12, underline, highlight, circle, test. And in verse 14, tested, because we're going to come back to that later. And then 10 days passes. They look better, healthier uh, than everybody else. The solution becomes permanent for Daniel and his friends. God gives them knowledge and skill. Daniel also has insight into dreams and visions, and that's very important for coming chapters. And then the chapter ends with, you know, after three years, they go into the king's service. They receive very, very well. They stand out from the rest. Uh, they distinguish themselves uh, in his service, and they're found to be 10 times better than any of the magicians and astrologers that were in his entire empire. 10 times is just an idiom. It's a phrase to say, look, they were so much better than anybody else in his entire empire, not a small place. And then the last verse of Daniel chapter one is a bit of a time stamp. Daniel lived on until the first year of Cyrus, the king. Cyrus comes on the scene many years later, and Daniel actually lived beyond that. But the point of this, Daniel one twenty one. It's just to say that Daniel's life covered the entire period of the, of the Babylonians here. Uh, so as a brief overview, that's kind of what's happening. But what, did, what does it all mean in context? What, what, what does it mean for, for, for God's people at the time? Well, we said at the beginning that there is fulfilled, this is fulfilled prophecy. You are going to be exiled to Babylon and under Nebuchadnezzar. It was it was. Predicted and it came to pass, but there were also predictions and prophecies about the people coming out of exile. And if you've been reading our daily devotional that we publish uh, six days a week, eight o'clock, or in Ezra and Nehemiah at the moment, you know exactly when this happened. But to the, to the people living this then, to the people living, the real people, the subjects of Daniel chapter one, in the moment, what, what was happening this was a huge and sudden change in lifestyle. Mm. Can you relate to that at the moment with the world in the state that it's in? Can you relate to this? A huge and sudden change in lifestyle for a generation or two, not six months, for a generation or two, their lives changed radically. And beyond belief. And again, if you've been reading Ezra and Nehemiah with us every morning, you know that their lives changed so much. And so many people got on with the task of living in Babylon so well that when the opportunity to return to Jerusalem came up, only 2% of them said, yeah, all right, I'll go back. 
the vast majority of them took to the task of living there so well. They got on with life despite this massive change in circumstances so well that they didn't want to go back. New normal became life for them, and they were all right with that. But can you relate to that? A radical change in lifestyle and circumstances seemingly overnight for many, many people. Can you identify with that just a little bit because of how your life is at the moment? Does this put your life into perspective, make your life a little bit clearer, having seen what happened here in Daniel chapter one. We always, that's what we're looking for, isn't it? We want to gain perspective on our lives by rightly and properly interpreting and understanding the Bible. We don't want to do it the other way around. We don't want to interpret the Bible based on what we are experiencing. We want to interpret what we're experiencing. We want to understand what we're experiencing in light of the word of God. So do you have a little bit of a better perspective on your life at the moment? This huge change in circumstances seemingly overnight because of what happened here. This lasted for 70 years for them, and they're told, don't just mope around, don't just sit around, get on with life, be there, and make the most of it, make your time count. They're told, you know, look, don't mope around, don't do nothing, don't just sit and wait for it to pass, because 70 years is too long. Get on with life. Take the, 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 the promise of the word of God that says, this is not going to last forever. Because he knows the plans that he has for you, Lot. So get on with life. And that all came from the word of God. That was their comfort. That was their hope. That was their peace. And that was their strength during a time when their lives changed drastically and very, very quickly. Daniel knew the word of God enough that he wanted to stay true to himself, that he needed to stay true to himself and to God. And he made up his mind that he was not going to defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. But he also needed to be there, to be in Babylon, but not of Babylon. So Daniel, be there, settle down, get to it, make your time count, but don't forget where you are from. Don't forget who you are and whose you are. Don't forget to whom you belong, Daniel. That's what it meant for the people at the time. They're going into exile. It's not going to be forever. So whilst you're in new normal, make your time count. Don't just sit around and wait. And I'm sure that there's something that we can learn from what Daniel 1 meant to Daniel at the time. So a really, really important tool that we need in our Bible reading kit, so to speak, is that when we're reading Old Testament passages like this, we need to pause and we need to ponder, we need to stop, we need to think, how does Jesus fulfill or improve or change what's happened here? And then after we've established how this relates to Jesus, then we can make that step and say what it means for you and for me, we don't read ourselves into this text because you are not Daniel and I'm not Daniel. We need to discover how it points to Jesus and then what that means for us. 
That's a very, 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 very important question when we read the Old Testament. If we don't read the Old Testament like that, we're going to fall into this trap. We're going to think, right, I'm Daniel. So what I need to do is either do what Daniel did or avoid doing what Daniel did. And that's kind of your A or your B if you read the Old Testament as being about you. Uh, And that makes you the center of these Bible books. And uh, friends, as much as God loves you, that's not true. Real events, real people, real letters written to real people about real things, and we're just kind of reading them and, and, and learning from them. So how does Jesus fulfill or improve or change or complete what is going on here? Uh, if you're taking notes on that Daniel note-taking template or in your Bible, this is definitely, definitely, definitely something to write down. You have to trust me on this. So here's where things get very, very, very interesting. And then they get very personal for you. So first, let's read again, verses 11 through to 14 of Daniel chapter 1. Daniel then spoke to the warden, whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test. We've highlighted that. Please test your servants for 10 days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who are eating the royal delicacies. Deal with us in light of what you see. So the warden agreed to their proposal and highlighted, tested them for 10 days. Now, this is where we take a very short but a very deep dive into what Daniel wrote. But it is so worth it, I promise. So the Hebrew word that Daniel chose here that we read in our English Bibles as test that you've highlighted, underlined, circled, that word describes a process in which you would prove your character. You would prove your faithfulness. You would, you would show your quality. And it's Daniel and his friends have got this opportunity to demonstrate the strength and the power of God working through a life that is submitted and committed to him. So Daniel and his friends here in chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 14, have got the opportunity to show how good they are, to demonstrate their quality. Now that same Old Testament Hebrew word has a New Testament Greek word. If you're thinking, why Hebrew, why Greek? That's just the language that this chapter was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. So Daniel 1, 12 and 14 has a New Testament equivalent, and it is used of Jesus in the wilderness. The opportunity he had to show the power of God working through somebody submitted and committed to his will. That was his test, his proving, his demonstration of his character and his quality. That same word is also used in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, where Jesus is described as our high priest, tested and proven. Jesus has demonstrable quality. He has shown, he has proven, he has evidenced that he is good enough. 
Is, not, is that not amazing? The same description of what happened in Daniel chapter 1 is used of Jesus in the wilderness and is used to describe Jesus as our perfect and eternal high priest who's demonstrated, shown his quality and his character. Is that not just amazing? Now, maybe language and history don't really do it for you and you're kind of sitting there thinking, all right, fine. Uh, you acknowledge the truth in what I've just said, but maybe you're thinking, well... Where am I? What, how does that help me right now? Today, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with, uh, with something at work. I, I need help making a massive decision. Do I stay here? Do I go somewhere else? Uh, maybe you're working through something that you feel like is so big and so important, and you're kind of thinking, well, you know, great. Hebrew words, Greek words. You know, yes, the connection is undeniable, but what does it mean? For, what does it mean for me? How does it help me? Well, the description of Jesus as that high priest in Hebrews four fifteen, as a high priest tested and proven with demonstrable, demonstrated, shown, evidenced quality, is where this gets really, really personal for you. We read that since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. So because Jesus is so good and he is all that and more, stick with it. Daniel's told, hey, look, exile, sure, stick with it, keep going, because there's hope for your future. We are told, look, Jesus is all that and some more. Uh, let's hold fast to our confession of faith. Stick with your life of faith. But then the writer speaker to the Hebrews keeps going. He says, we don't have a high priest who is incapable of sympathizing and understanding our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted, tested, proven in every way, just as we are, yet who's without sin. And because of that, because of the fact that Jesus has been tempted, tested, proven in every way that you could possibly be being tempted, tested, and, and, and proven in right now, because of that truth, let's confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. And that's how Daniel chapter one is so personal for you. Jesus makes it universal. And so he fulfills what happened in Daniel and he makes it so personal for you as well. There is something right there for you, isn't there? As Daniel proved his quality and character, Nebuchadnezzar ends up turning to Daniel for help. Daniel, I need your help with this. Daniel, I don't understand this. Daniel, help me with this. Daniel, be the prime minister. Help me with everything. There's nobody like you, Daniel. Help me, please. As that happened for Daniel here, Jesus did so even more. There's nobody like him. And because of this, you can go to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace and help when you need it. And maybe you feel like you need help with something right now. Well, don't just take it from me. Take it from Scripture. 
Jesus has proven his quality and character. And if you have faith in him, confidently approach the throne of grace to find help when you need it. Because he has proven, he has demonstrated his quality and his character so that you can go to him. So as with Daniel, so much more with Jesus. Daniel here had had been through a total upheaval in his circumstances. His life changed beyond belief. He left everything behind that was nice and normal and known for him. But he took on the mindset. He made the choice to think on the word and he didn't kick and scream and make a fuss. He humbled himself and participated in the program. Daniel was found in Babylon, but he was not of Babylon. He even took on a Babylonian name. He's found in the likeness of a Babylonian. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. In a few chapters time, he did all of that in trust, in obedience, in line with what the word of God taught him about how he should live his life. And as Daniel did that, so did Jesus. Even though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God as something to be grasped and held on to and kept for himself. He emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, forever wedded humanity to his deity, being born in the likeness of men, found in human form. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on cross out of his great love for you he did all of that he went into the wilderness to demonstrate his quality to prove to the great pretender that look this is what a life fully submitted and committed to god is like do your worst offer me the best i'm going to stick with the plan anyway and he did that to show to prove to demonstrate he was tested to show his quality And then in Hebrews chapter four, he is described for for you as being not a high priest, incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted, put to the proof, tested, evidenced in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. And because of this, we can confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. And that is what it means for you. That's what Daniel chapter 1 means for you. That's how Jesus takes Daniel chapter 1, changes, fulfills, makes it universal. But then it's so very personal as well for you. So whatever you are working through right now, however your circumstances have changed right now, Jesus has proven himself to be more than enough to help. He has been tempted put to the proof, evidenced. And he's been found without sin. And because of that, you can confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace and help and peace whenever you need it. So my prayer for you today then is that you turn to him for help because he has proven that he is more than good enough to help you with whatever you are working through right now. Let's pray.